You know, as often as it goes, when I write the messages each week, I'll write a portion of it, and I'll leave the introduction out of it. And this, this happened this week, and I started to work on the message during uh, the weekend, and was really trying to think about what is the best way to start off this theme of joy. And of course, I began to think of some of the thong, songs that, that speak of joy into the world. And of course, what song came up? Joy to the world. Now, if you didn't know, this wonderful Christmas song that we sing, Joy to the World, was in fact not intended to be a Christmas song at all. The writer of it wrote it in the early 1700s, and his name was Isaac Watts. And he wrote this song as he was reflecting on a psalm within Scripture, specifically Psalm 98, verse 4. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song and music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. And by reading those verses of scripture, joy to the world was formed. Because you see, for the writer, he believed in God's second coming. If you didn't know, the Advent season is a wonderful season because it reminds us of the fact that God has come into this world. If you didn't know, the reason why we put lights out, it's not just because it's beautiful to look at, but it's because it is representative of the light that Jesus brings us. That without him, we walk in great darkness, but that he is a light onto us so that every time we see a light somewhere, it is a reminder of how he pierces the darkness in our lives. So we also celebrate Christmas because we believe that that light will come back, that he will put an end to the pain that we experience so often within this life, that there is a time that will come when Jesus will return. So the author wrote those words, thinking of the second advent, thinking of the joy that it will bring us when Christ returns. But the beautiful thing about this song is we can sing it in celebration of his first coming and his second coming. In fact, it would take a hundred years for that to happen. This song was originally written as a poem and the authors a hundred years ago that began to work on that song and turn it into a Christmas celebration had that in mind, that we are to be people of joy. You know, joy is oftentimes something that we struggle to understand because so often joy is linked with what? Happiness. But as many of us know, happiness is something that can oftentimes come and go. Perhaps happiness in your life has been something that has come and has gone. And maybe Christmas has felt like a difficult season for you because you are reminded of the things in life that have come and have gone. Maybe it is the persons that are dear to you in life that have come and have gone. Or the seasons of life that once were good, but now are hard. But joy is something that God still calls us to have and calls us to hold on to. 
when I was talking to my wife about joy, and I was asking her questions, how do we hold on to joy? She reminded me, as soon as you let go of your faith, you let go of your joy. Because you see, I think joy is oftentimes wrapped up in the fact that we have hope in God. Right? We have hope in the fact that Emmanuel, God with us, came into this world, and he will come again. Barb and Roger were very kind to me today, because I came to the, to, to the sanctuary this morning, and I said, can I offer you guys a disruption? Which is never a way that you want to be greeted, right? And I said, could we sing joy to the world today? Could we hear those words as a congregation? And they, of course, said, I think we can pull it off. So I want to invite Roger and Barb to lead us in this song right now. Number 318 in the blue hymnal. I'm not sure if we have all the verses on slides. I think we do. But if you want to look at 318 in the hymnal, Joy to the World, the Lord is Come. This is written from the perspective of someone after the second coming of Jesus Christ, which, of course, you know, that would be time travel. I think that's impossible. But based on scripture, the writer, Isaac Watts, is saying, if we were in that future time after Christ returns, all the cares and horrors of this world would be forgotten. And as Christians, we ought to look forward to that time. When we watch the news, what gives us hope and joy is there's a time coming when all that we see will be done away with and everything will be joy. So let's stand and sing the four verses of Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders wonders of his love
Amen. Say it with me. Amen. See, I'm not the only one that asks for you guys to say amen. <laughs> Keeping on this theme of joy, I wanted to examine a portion of Scripture. Something that I think has hidden joy in it and speaks of the joy that we are to have in life and in recognition of what Christ does. So if you would, I encourage you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 2. We're going to be looking at a wonderful story of Scripture. In fact, it is the first time Jesus performs a miracle in his ministry. And that is specifically in John chapter 2 when Jesus turns the water into wine. Scripture says, On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. You see, if you didn't know, according to the Gospel of John, Jesus had just been finished being baptized by John the Baptist and calling more disciples to follow him. Now, this was a really remarkable moment within the ministry of God as Jesus was being pronounced to the world as the coming Messiah. Now, everybody wouldn't know that truth, but it would definitely be known at this point to a few that there was somebody special in their midst. And something unconventional happened. See, I don't know about you, but if I were to be the coming king that was to bring joy to the world, peace on earth, if I were to be the king of kings, I think I would write the story a little bit different. Perhaps the next moment of my ministry would be me walking into Jerusalem with a parade of people announcing me as king of the world, right? I think that's how I would write that story. But instead, what do we see within Scripture? We see a very unlikely story. Just like Beth was telling us earlier on into the service, that Jesus comes in very unlikely and lowly ways. We see Jesus going where? To the land of Cana, to go and celebrate in a wedding with his family. We don't really know why he was invited to this wedding. We can assume a few things that perhaps Jesus knew the family because his mother was invited to the same wedding. But they do just that. They, they put a halt and they go to Galilee and end up heading to this wedding. I don't know about you, but I personally love weddings. It is jokingly one of the reasons why I became a pastor, just because I want to get invited to more weddings. And in fact, I have two young people that I'm going to be doing premarital counseling with in the coming months, and I look forward to that time. If you didn't know, for first century Palestine, weddings were just as exciting, if not more. For them, it was an opportunity to call out their family, to invite people to celebrate together, to enjoy the festivities as two people would become one. Oftentimes, what would happen in the town is the whole entire town would celebrate the wedding. There were a few things in the calendar that would be as exciting as a wedding within a town. And for that reason, a wedding would be celebrated 
for multiple days on end. In fact, weddings were so wonderful, it's why Jesus oftentimes refers to weddings when explaining the kingdom of God and the love that he has for us as his bride. So when this wedding takes place, Jesus is invited there and he brings his disciples along. And it says in scriptures, in the scripture, pardon me, that when the wine had gone out, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. It was very important at this time for the host to prepare for the wedding festivities. In fact, it would be considered a great sign of disrespect for the host to not prepare in advance enough food and wine to celebrate this moment. So when the wine runs out, and it seems like it runs out early on into this story, this is a very big problem. This isn't just a simple problem like go to your local Walmart and pick up some more soda. This is a catastrophic moment in the event of this couple coming together. It would have brought shame on them, and it would have really taken away from the joy of this moment. And interestingly enough, we see who coming to Jesus to tell him that the wine has ran out. Jesus' mother. I always found that curious within the story. It's obvious that Jesus' mother knows what? that Jesus is able to change the circumstances of people's lives, that he can perform miracles and has the power to make a difference, so much so that she makes it part of Jesus' problem to fix this situation. But what always made it curious for me is is why did Jesus' mother take interest in this story. Bible scholars are really divided on this point. Some think that, well, she just felt pity on the couple and knew that Jesus could make a difference. And that's maybe part of why Jesus' mother did that. But could it also be that Jesus' mother maybe remembers her time of getting engaged? Maybe she remembers the shame that she felt as onlookers peered into her life and made assumptions that she was unfaithful, that she was pregnant and it was she was pregnant with another person's child. Maybe she remembers the scorn of the onlookers. Maybe she remembers the shame that she had to carry. And maybe for those reasons, she did not want this young couple and this family to feel the same shame and disrespect that she felt in her time where she was engaged in planning to be married. I don't know for certain, but I like to believe that that is one of the reasons why Mary took interest in this moment. Because she knew that Jesus could make a difference in the life of this couple. 
that he could help them out in a way that nobody else could. That right there is part of the Christmas message. How Jesus can help us out when nobody else can. When Jesus receives this request from his mother, he's uncertain whether what he should do. You see, he wants to follow the will of the Father, and he doesn't know if it's his time yet, but decides to make it his moment where he's going to begin to pronounce his ministry to the world. So he calls over some attendants, and he gets these water, uh, um, these mason jars of water and ends up turning these water vessels into wine. It's an astounding moment as 120 gallons of water are turned into wine, probably more than they thought and probably more than they needed. And this wine is served to everybody. And everybody is so thankful for this wine That even one individual says that normally couples or people will hold the better wine for later. But this wine that is given to them is the best wine, and it's the choice wine, and it's been given after all the other wine ran out. What amazes me about this story is the symbolism that I think God is trying to show us here. You see, those vessels, those jars of water, were not just any jars of water. Those jars of water were the same jars of water that would be held for people to cleanse themselves ceremonially. You see, in that time and in that culture, the way that it worked is you would need to clean yourself in order to be made righteous in the eyes of God. It was important for people to remain pure, and one of the ways that they did that symbolically was by taking the water and allowing themselves to be made pure by it, to be cleansed by it. And it's amazing that Jesus takes what? The vessel meant for cleaning us on the outside, he turns it into what? Wine that is consumed on the inside. We would later know through the Last Supper narrative that Jesus would take the wine and he would use wine as a symbol of what? His blood and the cleansing that he provides us. So could it be that Jesus' first miracle of taking this water that is meant to cleanse us on the outside becomes the very miracle of what he's going to be doing for us, and that is cleansing us from the outside or from the inside out. This is what Jesus provides for us. He provides us a way to be transformed from the inside out. He provides us a way to experience the goodness of God, not by what we do on the outside, but what he accomplishes on the inside. You know, I think sometimes when we are struggling in life, 
we can question God's timing. We can question the events of what's happening in our lives. And maybe you have gone through that. And maybe you're going through that right now. Where you wonder God's faithfulness. Where you wonder what kind of joy you're supposed to have in the storm of life that you are experiencing right now. And make no mistake. I understand what that feels like because I too go through moments like that. In fact, I think it's one of the difficulties that we face here on earth. That even though we believe in a God who brings us life, we still wrestle with the darkness that we experience right now. Thinking about this story, it makes me wonder... Why didn't Jesus just bring the wine with him? <laughs> if he knew that they were going to run out of wine, I mean, he's God after all. Why didn't he bring it with him? I think sometimes in life, we want God to fix our problems before they even happen. But sometimes in life, we need to understand that part of growing in our faith is recognizing our need. Did you hear that? That sometimes in order to grow in our faith, we need to recognize our need. All of us, church, have a need. All of us have something in ourselves that only God can satisfy. You see... Jesus did not meet the need until the need was requested, until the desire was made known, and until people began to say, what do we do? That's when he showed up. I think for us, we need to take note of that and realize that it is okay to be in need, and it is also okay to go to God for him to satisfy those needs in our lives. And it's also okay to remember that God will satisfy the needs of our lives. That even though this life can have its own troubles, that all of us need to take heart and know that Lord has overcome our troubles. For some of us, we might not realize that, until the end of our life. But that hope is still true. My desire for us as a church is that we can be a people of joy. In a time where joy is oftentimes in demand, that we can be the joy to others that we can be the kinds of people that brighten the lives of others through the faith that we have. Not because everything is working out perfectly within our lives, but I would say instead because it isn't at times, but yet we still have hope in Christ. I want to be the kind of person that regardless of the hardships and the troubles and the trials that I face, that I can speak joy 
into the lives of other people. The simple truth that I hope we can all hold on to is for us to have joy. To have joy in knowing that God is with us. To have joy in knowing that regardless of any circumstance, trial, or hardship we face, that it will be only for a moment. To have joy in knowing that we can have hope. To have joy in knowing that there is a God who we can go to in prayer. To have joy because God wants us to experience joy, to feel joy, to live with joy. Church, if you have struggled to have joy in your life, I believe today is an invitation and a reminder that we can have joy, that Christ is our joy and wants to give us joy on a daily basis. Amen? May you experience the joy of Christmas and may you give that joy freely to others around you.